Welcome to the Kings Insider Podcast on NBC Sports California, brought to you by Wendy's. I am James Ham. Joining me today, we have a special guest. Uh, I've spent the last couple of days in the sweltering heat of Las Vegas, Nevada. Um, you know, I, I've, I said this when I was out there. Uh, there's nothing subtle about Las Vegas. Uh, the weather <laughs> isn't subtle. The lights, everything about it is noisy and crazy and hot. Uh, but uh, I'm joined by a special guest that was there in Las Vegas uh, as well from NBC Sports Boston, Mr. Chris Forsberg. Thanks so much for joining me, man. Ah, thank you. Like, listen, you said subtle. Like I, I had to go find a back alley barbershop and chop off half my hair because I was <laughs> literally melting in the 112 degree heat. Um, you know what? The, the cool thing about Las Vegas, so people know, because um, I've traveled all over this last year. Um, the Uber drivers, every Uber driver is like a 4.97, 4.98 rating. <laughs> is it just me or like, like their Uber drivers are like so well like thought of? I, I don't even know what to make of it. They also have at least like 10,000 trips apiece, which blew my mind. It's just like they're so frequent and so short drives up and down the strip that it feels like they get way more traffic than say like you know someone who's in sheboygan driving around nerve or so yeah i was impressed and it's crazy they also get kickbacks for taking you to specific spots in the area Um, i didn't know that yeah so they actually will walk in with their guests and sign i think they said it was a w9 and they get cash in hand right there yeah they can get like uh 60 for dropping four guys off at a specific spot or if they take you to a dispensary or a, a liquor store or a specific club uh there are they fully get kickbacks for everywhere they go so uh, an average uber driver can make two or three hundred bucks a day uh but then on top of that they can make another two or three hundred bucks in bonus money uh so it's it's a very lucrative gig down there well uh uh this sports writing thing has been great but it's time to pack up and uh <laughs> You're going to go Uber right now. (laughs) With half half of my hair. That's right, with half of your hair. Uh, Yeah, so let's get to camp. Um, First of all, uh, I think that day one it was like 110. Day two it was like 100. I think it hit 116 on the gun. Um, (laughs) And then at like like 1 o'clock in the morning, it's still like 105. Like there is no break, which is crazy. Um, and I've been to Las Vegas plenty of times. I know it's hot, but I just I don't think I was prepared for that. Um, but the Boston Celtics have four representatives at Team USA. Uh, Sacramento Kings had uh, two on the main roster and one on the select team. So we got a lot to talk about. Uh, what were your impressions? You have uh, you have some really nice players there. You got Jason Tatum. You got Marcus Smart. Uh, you've got Kimba Walker. Um, and you got Jalen Brown and I, the one thing I, I told you this, I was shooting photos with a, with a lens and I kept mm-hmm. trying to capture your guys and my guys and some of the other guys for some of our other networks. 
I kept forgetting about guys that were on your team that were there. <laughs> and then I get to like the end of day one. I'm like, oh man, there's Jason Tatum. I forgot he was here. And then I completely had missed Jalen Brown day one. Um, just what what was your uh, your thoughts on the experience of of dropping into Team one, uh, Team USA and sort of the chaotic nature that is that uh, that media availability? Yeah, you know. So I guess first off, I'd never done a Team USA event, and part of it's because the Celtics had never had anyone out there. Paul Pierce was probably the last big name for Team USA, and it, it kind of flamed out. And they had a terrible FIBA, the one that was here over in, in Indianapolis, and and I think they were sixth place finish or whatever. Uh, and it just felt like the Celtics never had the star power to get a guy there, or at least while they were with, with Boston. And so it was unique to drop in. It was unique to see, uh, Greg Popovich. So relaxed. Uh, he certainly yelled at the media a couple of times to get off the court after the 30 minutes of access time and, uh, broke up an interview with, with me and Jalen at one point, but, uh, it did seem in general, he was pretty lighthearted and enjoying it. And I think that's just, you know, a neat peek behind the curtain. Uh, I think he's also honored to to be out there, but definitely from a, from a reporter standpoint, it's funny. Like I get out there and I said, Oh, there won't be all, all that much media there. And, and maybe it was just Las Vegas heavy, but it's funny that that 30 minutes goes up on the clock. They have access to guys and it feels like there's 150 cameras around you and everyone's kind of jockeying for anyone that's going to talk. And so I'd go over to have a conversation with Marcus smart and all of a sudden five reporters from places I hadn't even heard of her are dive bombing to talk to him as well. And, uh, but it is neat. It shows sort of the interest in Team USA and uh, especially at, at, a, at a dead period of basketball. Uh, and I thought the, the scrimmages in particular were super competitive. You know, the, whether it was against the select team or just the inter squad that we saw the first day, you know, these guys really got after each other. And uh, that's neat because I think there's this perception that uh, because the big names backed out, that Team USA is somewhat a little bit more lackluster this year. But I think a lot of these guys are hungry to not only earn a spot, but sort of make their name known on a, on a national or international stage. I, I totally agree. That's what I gathered. Um, and I, again, you've got a lot of players. I, Marcus Smart ha, has an injury, so there may be some issues there. I think what he had a calf injury, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. He's, he's going to be in camp next week in LA, but I think that's something that they'll probably take into consideration when, when making final cuts. But outside of that, uh, De'Aaron Fox and Jalen Brown running up and down the court together as a backcourt. Uh, to me, that was that was super intriguing. The speed, the athleticism. Man, if uh, we could piece together a roster between the two, the, the Celtics and the Kings, just think how much fun that would be. The athleticism with Tatum and, and Marvin Bagley sprinting up and down the court. Um, just really, I, I thought that, that everyone there uh, from both teams really did represent... Uh, themselves and and their teams and the cities that they're coming from, I thought they represented well. Yeah, and, and like I'll start with with, with your guys. Like, it was funny because when we I think when we got there and we were, we were first chatting, I said, well, you know, we probably should have done this uh, like a year ago when Kings pick was a big thing and the Celtics fans were all freaking out about how the Kings were going to do and there was so much interest between the two teams. But then I thought like the the Celtics and and Kings became maybe the the sort of the spotlight of of the whole week. You know, not only did the Celtics have their little contingent out there, but De'Aaron Fox, man, like I, as someone who doesn't get to see him enough and who, who hears the hype, but it's a whole nother thing when you see him. I mean, guys just couldn't stay in front of him. And for a guy who was elevated to the roster so late, it was just impressive to watch him uh, out there and to see that up close. I think he, maybe more than anybody, he showed himself 
uh, really, really well. And that's got to be encouraging for, for Kings fans. You know, from a Celtics perspective, I thought Tatum had good glimpses and good stretches. Uh, Jalen and him both got extended time out there. You know, and sort of the, the focal point for, for Boston is Kemba. You know, not only reintegrating and sort of, uh, you know, or, or, or learning how to play with these new teammates and, and starting to build the chemistry after last year's disaster of a season, but he's also sort of the leader of this Team USA, the, one of the older guys, one of the few all-stars out there. And you get the sense that it means a lot to him of all the all NBA guys that dropped out. I think he's the only one that stuck around. Now there's still like Chris Middleton's in there and uh, uh, Kyle Lowry is the other all-star on the, on the roster. Um, but Kemba's the only all NBA guy. And I think he's going to be in a leadership position. I'm, I'm curious to see how he embraces that. Uh, I thought he was very deferential. He was willing to let the other guys like Donovan Mitchell get theirs and, and happy to see that. And so uh, it was neat to get a glimpse of him in that setting. Again, I just, the one thing that just permeated overall was that guys were just really excited to be out there and really were fighting for, to, to earn those roster spots. Yeah. You know what? I hope the team USA understands that, that there are players out there that really do want to play. So when it comes time for the Olympics, um, that they just don't let everybody flood back in the door and, and sort of take the time off when they didn't want to go play in the World Cup, but now it's the Olympics time, I want to go get my gold. Um, I think some of these guys have really earned their spot, uh, and I'm interested to see how, how this team that's thrown together, uh, but you mentioned Kyle Lowry, uh, he he may or may not be able to play, we'll have to see what happens with his thumb, he's coming off off-season thumb surgery, still wearing a brace on the hand, hasn't participated at all, um, and, and I really do believe that Kemba and De'Aaron Fox make a really nice one-two punch at the point guard position. You got your length uh, in Fox and, and your quickness and speed. Um, and I talked to Kemba about De'Aaron Fox, and he was so blown away by, he said, not only the speed, but holy cow, he's shot the lights out the entire camp. Mm-hmm. And uh, I thought that was that was intriguing as well. So definitely some good stuff to take away from the whole experience. You know what? Uh, Chris, let's take a break. Uh, let's hear some words from our sponsor and, uh, and we'll get right back to the action. You are listening to the Kings Insider podcast on NBC Sports California brought to you by Wendy's. If you're out and about in the sweltering heat of Sacramento, California, pop into a Wendy's, get yourself a chocolate frosty, maybe some French fries to dip in that frosty, uh, maybe even bacon cheeseburger. Sounds good to me. Uh, and while you're at it, make sure to Stop by iTunes. Give us a, a rating and a review. We appreciate the feedback. Now let's get back to Kings Insider Podcast. All right, we're back. And uh, just so we refresh, we've got Chris Forsberg from NBC Sports Boston. Uh, we both just came back from Team USA training camp in Las Vegas, Nevada. Uh, this sweltering, sweltering heat of, of Las Vegas. Um, and... Uh, we touched base on Kemba Walker and uh, and De'Aaron Fox. Uh, again, really, they have become sort of the talk of the camp, Kemba being the the, the biggest name, the biggest all-star, and Fox being the up-and-coming guy. Um, the one thing that I, uh, looking at both Team USA and the select roster, the 2017 draft stands out, and it, it's become... Uh, it looks like the pipeline for Team USA. Uh, of course, we've got you know Tatum and Fox, but also you got Bam, uh, you've got Donovan Mitchell, 
and it just keeps playing out. If you really look at both rosters, you got you know Jared Allen, uh, uh, you got Tory. Um, oh man, the the Nuggets. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm liking too. Yeah, he gets invited. Um, you got Derek White. Uh, it really is. I think there's nine or ten guys from the 2017 NBA draft that are either on the select team or the the main club. Um, I, that kind of brings me to the uh, the Tatum Fox thing. Uh, when you look at Tatum, uh, how good can he be? And and you know, I guess it's really the three of them: Mitchell, Tatum, and Fox. Who do you think is going to be the best out of that draft when it's all said and done? Ooh, that that's a tough question. So, you know, I think for, especially after 2018, when the Celtics go on that big playoff run and Tatum's out there dunking on LeBron, I think expectations get out of whack pretty quickly. And I'm just as guilty of it. I remember sitting there on our studio shows and I'm saying, you know, Jason Tatum could be a, a, a top 10 player by, you know, in the very near future. And then he goes out and has a quiet sophomore year, didn't make the leap that he thought he would make, didn't make the leap that a lot of people, you know, on the outside world thought he was going to make. And that being said, I do think it's still inside of him. Um, you know, when you see the flashes, he had a stretch yesterday and that's in, in one of the scrimmages where, you know, he, he drove, got an and one layup and then came down the next trip down the court, did a little move on the baseline and elevated his combination of size and, you know, his ability to get to the basket and use his length is just distinguishes him. And if he could ever really channel it and harness his potential, I think he has maybe the highest ceiling of all those guys. And yet, you know, I, I think it's undeniable that, you know, the way Fox played the last season and the way Donovan Mitchell, like I think Mitchell is going to ascend this season to, to like certified superstar. Mm-hmm. Uh, and part of that is like, you know, maybe he'll have to share a little bit more like jazz are loaded. That roster is really good. And so I wonder how he'll have to, you know, will he, will he still be as much of the focal point, but, um, you know, certainly the situation as well for, for De'Aaron Fox gives him the opportunity there to, to really grow, and especially with that young core. So it will be fascinating uh, to, to go back and revisit. I don't know if uh, in the immediate aftermath of that draft I said, oh, this has a chance to be a, a really special class, and certainly, uh, you know, with Markel Fultz at the top of it, and we'll see how he rebounds in, in Orlando and all the hype that's coming out about him potentially refining his jumper. Um, but yeah, it's like three really intriguing options. I think, I think if you, if you press me to rank them right now, I'd probably give Mitchell the edge. And then I don't know, I might have to go for like a, some sort of a tie with, because I just don't know what, like if Tatum is going to necessarily make that leap, he's got the, the opportunity here. I think, I think again, that's why team USA for these guys is so important. It's a chance to sort of be like, you know, to, to really just show on a bigger stage that you're ready, that you're, you're, you're able to make that leap. And, uh, you know, Tatum in particular to me has to, has to grasp it. Yeah. You know, I, I've talked to a lot of people around the Kings and, and just a lot of people in general about what team USA, what an invite to this type of atmosphere can mean for a player. And, I think that if you look at all these players, and the other guy, uh, Jonathan Simmons. Uh, oh, yeah. No, Jonathan Isaac. My bad. My, Jonathan <laughs> Isaac. Uh, he's part of the, the Team USA select roster as well. Um, so, you know, what, four of the top six or three of the top six and uh, and then others. Um, so I, I just think it's, it's interesting to see how uh, this group, you know, is going to evolve. But I, I want to know, 
what is a Team USA experience? Is that going to bolster their confidence, their leadership, and all of these things? Uh, you're also getting coached by Greg Popovich, Steve Kerr, some of the greatest coaches the game has ever seen. Coach K made an appearance at camp just the other day. Um, what is your thoughts on that? Uh, I mean, you've been around the NBA long enough to see players who go through this process and how yeah. they come out the other side. So I, I think back to 2010, and I won't say, like, I'll admit I've, I've sort of been going back and, and trying to kind of play catch up a little bit on, on Team USA and the importance of it. You know, some there's certainly been years where the stars come out and they just do what they do. But I think that 2010 year was one with, with maybe Durant and Rose and, you know, all these guys that weren't necessarily surefire household names at that point. I think maybe Curry was on that team. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you look up in the aftermath and it was like all those guys went on to be MVPs. Right. And like, that's incredible. But uh, so does this class have the same potential? I don't know. Like it's hard to say, but I mean, listen, this is the next tier of NBA's talent. It's the, it had, these guys are all eventually going to ascend to that throne. Like it's just like, you know, Harden and Durant and all these guys can't do it forever. So uh, some in this group will step up and do it. And I, I just can't imagine that the experience can't help but expedite that. And so Brad Stevens was out there yesterday for the Celtics, kind of just there to check in on his guys. He's also a big proponent of, uh, of Team USA. I can see down the road him wanting to be involved more with that. And what I, I talking to him, he was just like downright gushing about what an opportunity it was for his guys to play under Greg Popovich. And he has ultimate respect for Pop and thinks he's probably the best communicator in the NBA and the guy who can get through to young players and get the most out of them. And I think he just really just relishes the opportunity for Jason Tatum to hear a different voice, to, to, to be told like what he needs to do to make that leap. And then you got coach K drops in yesterday and he sits down. Well, obviously with the Duke connection with, with Tatum and has a little chit chat and, you know, Steve Kerr. And it's, it's just remarkable. The basketball minds and, and, and uh, the championship minds that all these guys are being exposed to. So uh, it, it, and, and even the players admit as much, it's just, it's an amazing opportunity for them. And it's also what you make of it. And so I think that goes back to how we sort of opened this up. It, it feels like, everyone has really embraced the opportunity. I think the superstars show up and, you know, I don't know if they're there to, to hear Steve Kerr tell them how to run a pick and roll better. But if you, you're a young guy and you embrace what they're telling you, it can only be a good thing. And I will be fascinated. I think, you know, I've already set a little reminder in my calendar, you know, for like November, December, just take a look back at all the guys that were on this team USA. And like, let's, let's revisit who made the leap. Is there any connection between, those who played and the the sort of the way they started, this is like a, a second training camp, an early training camp. I got to think it works out well for all of these guys. Yeah, I think so too. And uh, you, you talked about the 2010 team. So basically 2008, they win Olympic gold. Uh, 2010, no one wanted to play in the World Cup. <laughs> uh, and you're right. It was Curry. It was Harden. It was Durant. Yeah. And it was Derrick Rose uh, were four of the 12 new players. They had 12 new players added to the roster uh, that went on to go to the World Cup. Four guys won MVPs, including multiple MVPs from some of those guys. So really, it it is an opportunity. Now, 
you just don't know if these guys are are on that level or if they're not. Um, but you know, watching uh, and and talking to De'Aaron Fox, Fox said, you know, I sat down day one and I'm just trying to take it all in. I'm trying to be a sponge, and I'm sitting next to Kyle Lowry and Lowry. You know, of course, just he's coming off championship, and he's sitting there telling me, like, look, man, you cannot stop running. You are so much faster than everybody else. And you need to use that as your special tool. You need to go out there every single moment and and hit the gas because that's how you'll go from being a really good NBA player to being a superstar. If that's what you want, this is what you have to do. Uh, And and I thought it was really interesting that these guys, um, being part of Team USA means that you don't just get the coaching, which the coaching is, of course, again, we just keep talking about this, it's the greatest coaches in the world. Um, But on top of that, you get to be around players who have had massive amounts of success uh, and they're sitting there downloading because their ultimate goal is for the U.S. to represent well and and to win this thing. Um, and, and, you know, when you look at what they're going up against, this is a very young roster. Uh, there's going to be some guys that make the team just because they've got enough experience. A guy like Harrison Barnes because he's been part of the program and, and he knows what to expect and he can guide these guys through. Uh, but the bulk of who's going to de- decide who who wins this thing and who loses this thing, uh, it's going to come down to a lot of these young players that we're talking about, and and so it should be really really intriguing uh, what we see. Now, is there any concern from you or from the Celtics that this is too much? That these guys are going to wear themselves out coming into camp, and um, when we get to you know. February, March, these guys are going to run out of gas because they had this extra experience? Or do you just think, look, basketball players need to play basketball. Most of them are young enough. They'll get through it. Yeah, it's funny because, like, Celtics fans were in a real lather. Uh, now, remember, like, a month ago, we thought the only Celtics that would be out there would be Jason Tatum. And everyone sort of agreed, like, it would be a good experience for him. Like, put him in bubble wrap, make sure he doesn't get hurt, and, and everything will be okay. Well, then they signed Kemba. Then Tatum and Brown get added to the roster and all of a sudden you know they got four celtics out there and most of the celtics fans are like just make sure no one gets hurt don't mm-hmm. you know like the, 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 he just don't want to have a paul george like incident and then have everybody you know wondering if that tarnished your season and so uh that was the big concern from like the outside world but like inside the celtics fans were just i mean i mean so the celtics organization uh really no concerns whatsoever. They understand that a guy is just as likely to go injure himself while playing in a pickup game at a local YMCA as he is in a structured, controlled environment. You know, it's funny. Every time someone hits the ground uh, inside that Mendenhall Center in Vegas, there's like seven guys that run out with towels to wipe up the spots. And, you know, listen, injuries are going to happen. Marcus Smart, strains his, his calf and and they in, in an abundance of precaution they they shut him down for vegas um but i i do think i just don't see any downside to it i don't think the extra miles that they put on in this experience is going to hinder them i think the celtics view it as they're going to be more likely to hit the ground running when they reconvene in september and you know the season starts a little bit later because of the of the fiba and certainly you know, there's not going to be much of a break. I think if these guys play through to the world championships and the gold medal game, I think they finish September 15th by the time mm-hmm. they, by the time they fly back, you know, and, and just kind of get reacclimated all of a sudden the camp is, uh, is raring to go there, you know, in the last week of September. So, you know, certain, certainly something I think that's on people's radar. I'm sure like, 
I can't see Pop running these guys out of the gym in LA next week. I think they'll they'll appropriately throttle the activity level. Um, like, listen, everyone understands that uh, this is a, an important part, and they want to show well. But you know, these are million dollar athletes they're dealing with, and they're gonna they're gonna to, to exercise as much caution as possible. Yeah, I totally agree. So uh, for the Sacramento Kings and for the Boston Celtics, they're getting this opportunity not just to represent because I mean, you look around and you know, Bam out of iOS there. So how much is he getting out of this when not one of his, I mean, he can get a lot out of it, but he's not building chemistry with his teammates. He's not, you know, I think for Boston specifically, this is an opportunity where these guys have never played with Kemba before. All of a sudden you get to see where he likes his spots, see what he likes from his picks, you know, have conversations with him, really hone down on who and what he is as a player. And I think that that's invaluable. I think same thing for the Sacramento Kings. You know, Marvin Bagley was a rookie last year. De'Aaron Fox was only a second-year guy. And then they added Harrison Barnes, 28 games left in the season. So they're getting this time, too, to sort of simmer in the pot. I really like that they're getting these opportunities. Some of these guys would be uh, back in the gym right around the first week of September and working out with their team, uh, whether it's Boston or Sacramento or anywhere else. That's kind of the way it works. A lot of these guys come back a couple of weeks early and start just getting the flow together, having pickup games. Um, but I think having this time to really, you know, get to know each other is so tremendous. Um, I, I guess now, now I do want to stop because like the Kings, yeah. the Kings have that India trip, right? Yes. So did that, that, do you think that factored in at all too? the fact that a lot of those guys are going to have to come back, go back overseas? Like, does that, you know, the, the, was there any concern in the, in the, the Kings organization about the travel? I don't think there's any concern because I, I think the way the Kings look at this is like, look, we would love to break our, our playoff drought. It's 13 seasons. They're walking yeah. into this year. They won 39 games last year, but they really thought they should have won 43 or 44. They really had a str- struggles at the end of the year. Uh, they want to make the next leap and, and get into the playoffs this season. But they also look at this and say, look, how much can a De'Aaron Fox or a Marvin Bagley get out of this experience? Can this be the catalyst that takes them from, you know, can can they skip a step? Can they go from a really good player to a great player or from a great player to an incredible player? Those are the things that they're looking for. And they look at this experience as not just this year. Uh, you know, this season is big and they, they want to get there, but they really look at like their window is two or three years from now. Uh, when they'll start competing for bigger things like, you know, the third, the fourth seed in the playoffs, uh, maybe potential championship caliber stuff. That's that's when you start looking at it down the road. Um, so they want as much jam-packed into the, the minds and the hearts and, you know, the feel of these players now because they think that down the road is when they're really going to turn to this and, and need that experience and, and when it will really come out. And you know, two years from now, if we're talking about De'Aaron Fox, Marvin Bagley, Jason Tatum, uh, Jalen Brown being the stars of Team USA at, at an Olympics, uh, look what Ooh. that does for your basketball program during the offseason. Yeah. And it just makes you that much more marketable for stars to go sign with you or for free agents to sign with you. It really does like bolster what you're trying to do. So I think the Kings have a much bigger grand picture. And if that means that De'Aaron Fox travels to India, but only plays 10 minutes uh, Mm -hmm. a night and they really tone him back in the early part of training camp, same with Marvin, um, then that's what they'll do. But I think they're going to let the players, they're watching their players, their players' bodies, the way they're reacting very closely. And I I think they'll have a good 
sort of understanding of what they're doing. And man, I hope I get to go to India. I think that would be a lot of fun. <laughs> I, I would say so. Yeah. Uh, so, but I, I think that the overall gist of this conversation, we can pencil in a Celtics Kings final, right? Yeah. I, I you know what, I, you know, two, three years from now, I, I don't see why not. I mean, they're both the teams with the young talent that has proven out as much as possible. Um, you know, there are some other teams out there. I mean, we've seen Trey Young and, and John Collins out there. Uh, Trey Young, I guess, is out with an eye infection, which we started to see yesterday. You could see the the red eye. Uh, but John Collins just dominating as an offensive rebounder. Just watching him work, and and they, I was watching Team USA guys throw two and three bodies at him, trying to stop him from getting offensive rebounds, and he's still fighting through and grabbing them, putting him, putting balls right back up. Uh, you know, so I, I think there are these little clusters of of young talent that are hiding. And I think it's good that they're, they're getting these opportunities to play together in team USA and sort of build that chemistry and camaraderie. Uh, Chris, yeah, I, 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 I love the, I love the young teams around the league now. Like as much as we fascinate about these superstar duos, it, to me, the fun part is looking at the teams that are, are just like you said, are on the rise. I think, you know, as much as I like what new Orleans is doing, I do kind of wonder what it would have been like if, if 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 uh, Zion had ended up in Atlanta and whether that well, how much that would have expedited them, um, but I'll tell you a funny story because you know the Kings to me are a very enjoyable team to watch. I ended up watching them a little bit more than maybe I would I would say a normal team last season. Now in part because of the Kings pick, but also because they were just like really fun to watch. And so uh, I would often say to Celtics fans, you know, like man, that that's a fun team to watch, and they would sort of grit their teeth and go, yeah, if they if if they didn't control our draft pick, and so. <laughs> This will be the first year that I think Celtics fans will turn on Kings games and be able to just genuinely enjoy a young team that has now drafted well multiple years in a row, has was patient in waiting for these guys to either get healthy or develop. And uh, I'm fascinated. I think I, I really hope I know that the West is cutthroat, but uh, hopefully this drought ends because uh, it's a really good story out there. It is a good story, and you know, like to sort of complete what we're talking about with Team USA. I mean, the word is uh, we're recording on Thursday. The word is that Marvin Bagley might be invited to next week's camp in in LA. He might be part of the 15 players, uh, which may all travel together to Australia and keep this going. Uh, so it's possible that the Kings will have three representatives. It's possible the Boston Celtics will have three or four representatives heading into Australia and then uh, to China. Uh, game one is against the Czech Republic on September 1st. Um, and again, the, the the whole tournament runs until the 15th. But, uh, you know, Marvin Bagley, we're talking about a 20-year-old kid who's running out there. He's playing the center position, which he does not play in Sacramento. He's all right. over the point. He's going up and over people just like he did uh, all season long in Sacramento. Yep. So you, you get to see sort of the bright, uh, the bright lights that are coming for these two franchises, which is super fun to enjoy. Uh, I guess this is my last question uh, for you, Chris. Uh, when you look at uh, how young this roster is, how how sort of mix-matched it is, and um, that all the stars decided not to come, and even like the second-tier stars decided not to come, and then some of the third-tier guys decided <laughs> not to come. Uh, oh, and Tory Craig, that just popped into my head. Ah, um, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it'd come. And Dylan Brooks was there. Uh, so uh, when you look at all of these guys, uh, this this roster, this collection of players, um, and then I look at what's out there in the world. Uh, I think Giannis playing for Greece is going to be interesting, but I don't really fear them. The real the real team to fear 
is the other group of Sacramento Kings, uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich and uh, <laughs> Nemanja Bjelica and Jokic and just that talented Serbian team. Um, do you think the, the this is a foregone conclusion that Team USA walks away with gold at the World Cup, or do you think they're going to have to fight uh, and battle this time? I do kind of think they're going to have to fight. And I just think it's a product of, of, of age and, and consistency, right? It's not like the, the talent is there, but these guys are still trying to find themselves. I think they're just going to have nights where uh, it doesn't click. They're playing guys that have been playing together for long stretches of their lives. I just don't think they'll have the same continuity and chemistry right off the bat. I think they're going to be, you know, sort of having pop trying to drive home this 0.5 system of moving the ball and so i just think it's uh, it's going to take some time and there'll be some lumps along the way i don't know necessarily if that will translate to losses but i just don't think it'll come as easy i think that's good for fiba i think these they're having these games interesting and uh having the u.s be pushed but you know probably ultimately prevail i was still a little surprised by the odds i think they're still like two and a half to one or uh, uh one to two and a half however you phrase it um favorites for this thing and serbia is pretty distant behind them um that's a lot of probably more credit to, to the legacy of the program than necessarily what they've, they've got. Uh, but I just like that. I can't remember a year where I got to the off season. And again, selfishly, it's partially because there's so many Celtics involved, but I, even if they weren't, I think I would be intrigued to just watch what happens this year and see what happens. And uh, again, there's so many young international players now that even if, if it's just Giannis with his, his Greek club, you're, you're still intrigued by it. Uh, Celtics fans were sitting there hoping that Taco Fall, the legend of summer league, would, oh, yeah. would pop up on the on the Senegal roster. But he's actually on his way back to Boston to just continue working with the hopes of of just making the parent roster. And he was he was only, I think he was a little bit worried that uh, the national team would would actually uh, take away from his opportunity to work here in Boston. So, uh, you know, but the Celtics have uh, Daniel Tice in Germany and uh, Shemi Ojale was supposed to play for Nigeria, but I think he's backed out. Uh, it's just going to be fun. There's a lot of guys out there, a lot of name recognition. Uh, I'm just excited to sit back and uh, and, final, and and really be invested in a, in a FIBA tournament. Yeah, I agree. And uh, the Kings also have Corey Joseph playing for Canada. Uh, they have Isaiah Pinheiro playing for, I think, Puerto Rico. Um, so, yeah, they've got players. And then the two Serbs. Um, so what are you up to? Four, five, six, seven players. Seven players are, are going to play in the FIBA World Cup for the Kings. <laughs> Uh, maybe there will be a point where they run out of cast during the season. Uh, but you got to have your fingers crossed that it's a, a great experience for everybody and it helps everybody take a big step and that no one gets hurt. Uh, the Kings had Bogdan Bogdanovic uh, tear up a knee uh, in international play right before training camp last year. He had to go under, undergo surgery on a knee and cost him the first 10 games of the season. You just hope that you're able to still steer clear of all that stuff and, and get through healthy and have a good time and learn and, and grow as basketball players, which I think is uh, what's on the agenda. Hey, you know what? I, I, I normally do this with Doug Chrissy, but I'm going to say, hey, Chris, do you have any final thoughts? Ooh, I, I don't know. Like I said, I just go back to it. Like uh, I, with Team USA was, was not on my radar a whole lot a month ago. And now like I, I feel like I'm going to be sitting there. I'm, I'm going on vacation. I'm going to be sitting there watching scrimmages, and and I, I wonder if that t- says something about our jobs and uh, you know just in general. But uh, it, it's neat to be invested in basketball, but it also hammers home the fact that we are uh, most definitely a 12-month sport, mm-hmm. and uh, you know we need to take our take our breathers where we can because you know like hey, just like these guys, James, we got we got to be ready. Like in December, we got to have something in the tank. We got to be able to turn around that feature, and, and we got to be ready to. Uh, 
we gotta we gotta make sure we're at at, at max strength yes yeah, see i exhausted myself with the 19 day trip to to europe with the family uh just so you know Ooh. that's not a vacation it's it's <laughs> it's it. like it's, it's like going and playing in in fiba you're you're tra- uh you know carrying bags and kids all over all over the globe so all right well hey chris thanks so much uh for joining me um just so people know where can they find your work uh you know we're part of the nbc family but where can they find you uh both social media and uh your work writing which you do all day long like i do sure for sure like the easiest way you know we are twitter mavens of course so if you go to at chris forsberg underscore because there's some brazilian uh, IT guy who stole Chris Forsberg, and I will forever be bitter. Uh, so uh, if you go to Chris Forsberg underscore, you can find everything there. And of course, on uh, our NBC Sports Boston site, uh, follow the Celtics tab and everything we're uh, we're putting up is up there, which I thought would be would be would be limited by this point of the year, but. Uh, we are we are pumping out more content than we ever have in, in August, and I'm, I'm sure it's the same on your end. It is the same on my end. All right, well, that's going to do it for this edition of the Kings Insider Podcast on NBC Sports California, brought to you by Wendy's. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in. Thanks, Chris Forsberg, for joining me and riffing about Team USA. Uh, if you haven't done so, please hop on and subscribe to the Kings Insider Podcast on iTunes. Uh, give us a... Uh, a like, give us uh, a comment. Positive feedback is always uh, welcomed. So is negative. Uh, we like to know what we're doing well and what we're not. Um, you can find us on all platforms. Uh, so for Chris Forsberg this week, uh, I am James Ham. Thanks for tuning in to the Kings Insider Podcast. 